Hello, my lovely podcast family. Joseph Helen, your friend here. I'm teaching on how to prophesy by observing animals and birds. And I'm going to deal with the goat today. I'm going to deal with the goat, all that goats mean in the Bible. And I'm going to deal with the hyena as well. Okay? So what do you do when you see such creatures? What do you do when you see such creatures in the spiritual realm? Or what's the meaning of such creatures in the spiritual realm? So let me start with Azazel. Azazel is a goat, but a very special goat. This goat is called a scapegoat. And uh, a scapegoat actually stands for Jesus himself. Because Aaron would choose two goats and then a lot would be cast so the ballot is a biblical thing casting lots to make decisions actually a prophetic thing if you remember when uh, matthias was chosen to replace judas iscariot they actually cast ballots they cast lots so use of the ballot for politics is biblical use of the ballot to make decisions is biblical so a lot was cast and one goat was chosen And that one would be for sin, a sin offering goat. And another one would be the scapegoat. The scapegoat is the one on whose head Aaron would lay his hands, both hands, to transfer the sins of the Israelites through that goat. And then the goat would be led into the wilderness by a fit man. And then the goat would be left there in the wilderness with the sins of the Israelites. And for the the rest of the year, the Israelites were sinless. Okay? Everything was okay. It doesn't matter whether they hated their neighbors or not. They were fine because their sins were already placed upon the goat. Okay? And that's how God dealt with the sins of the Israelites, their trespasses, their mistakes in the past. Okay, so in the book of Leviticus 16, verse 7 to 10, the Bible says, And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. So the Hebrew word for scapegoat is Azazel. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. Okay, But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. So that goat stands for Jesus. So when you see a goat in the spiritual realm, don't start thinking of sin first. Think of Jesus first. Okay? That's what a goat stands for. All right? So the blood of the sacrifice that Jesus shed uh, makes him our scapegoat. All right? All our sins were placed upon him. The Bible says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with the stripes we are healed. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Okay? Now Leviticus 16, verse 21 to 22 says, And Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat, and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel, and all their transgressions in all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. Verse 22, And the goat shall bear upon him all the iniquities unto a land not inhabited, and he shall let go the goat in the wilderness. Now Jesus suffered outside the gate for our sins. So that means that scapegoat or Azazel stands for Jesus himself. So in the prophetic realm, if God wants to teach you about salvation, he wants to show you something that he wants to do for his people, he might show you a goat. 
And now it's up to you to go to the Bible to find out what that picture of a goat means. So this is how God speaks. He speaks by showing us signs and symbols and pictures and similitudes and dreams and visions and things like that. Yeah? Hebrews 8 verse 12, For I will be merciful to their righteousness, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. So Jesus taking your sin away means that he does not remember them anymore. Now you need also to have the same mindset. Don't remember your faults. Don't remember those things of the past, because God doesn't remember them. So what business do you have remembering them yourself? Hebrews 10 verse 16 to 17 says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I'll put my laws in their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. So he takes his word, and instead of it being on a, a tablet or a stone, he puts the word inside you so that you and the word become one. So the word is in your spirit and also in your mind so that you have the mindset of Jesus Christ. And verse 17 of Hebrews 10 says, And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. So what is it that makes God not remember your sins and your iniquities? When your mind is filled with the word of God, when your memory is of the word of God, not of the wrong thing you've done. Are you getting me? If your memory has the wrong thing you've done, it's your conscience that is accusing you. But a conscience that's filled with the word of God doesn't have memories of sin. So God doesn't remember either. God will not remember because it's the word. It's not full of sin. It's not full of your faults. It's full of righteousness and holiness. So his mind does not have that, that, uh, that, that consciousness of sin. God's mind is conscious of his righteousness. And you become his righteousness. So when you fill your mind with the word of God, then you will remember the word of God. Okay? It is in the memory of the word of God that anything to do with wrongs or rights are removed. Okay? So as a man thinketh, so is he. How do you think? If you have the word of God inside, you will do the word of God. So it's not about stopping to sin. It's not about trying hard. It's not about making resolutions. No. It's about filling your mind with the word of God. And when you fill your mind with the word of God, you start thinking the word of God. And when you think the word of God, you'll do the word of God. So this is the difference between the law and grace. Under the law, they obeyed what was said. For example, the scapegoat has gone, the other one has been killed, we are good. Even if you hate your neighbor, we are good, we sacrifice. But now we can't afford to hate because we don't have the mindset of hatred. We have the mindset of love. You see, you know, you can obey traffic law because the police are watching. And as soon as they look the other way, you start breaking the law. Because that law is not written in your heart. It's not in your mind. It is written in the, in the Constitution. And anything written in the Constitution will always be broken. Otherwise, the police would lose their work. Yeah? The criminal in, the investigation department all over the world will lose job. Because they have to have thugs for them to have a job. Okay? <laughs> you get that? That's the trouble with the law. The, the trouble with the law is that... Um, on, an on, enterprise or entrepreneurship starts happening based on crime itself. You see, so there's budget to combat crime. That means without crime, that department would not exist. Are you getting it? It's like without sickness, doctors would not exist. So those are some of the things that happen when you we are under the law. But if you're under grace, then the law is no longer in the Constitution. It's not in the Bible. Because the one in the Bible will kill you. The letter of the law kills but the one in your heart and in your mind will give you that same mindset so that you have the mindset of God, okay? Glory to God, isn't that beautiful? You see, that word is what brings you faith. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 6 that without faith it's impossible to please God. Impossible if you don't have faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10 verse 17. And the Bible also says when that law is in your heart, then 
he will enjoy perfect peace. Isaiah 26 verse 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Perfect peace comes upon those whose mindsets are based on the word of God. Not on your fault. On the word of God. So it doesn't matter what wrong you've done. It doesn't matter how horrible you've acted. As long as you are fixing the word of God into your mind, you're going to be good. Okay? So please concentrate not on stopping sin. Because that's the law. You will continue sinning. Concentrate on filling your mind and your heart with the word of God. Then after some time, it becomes your mindset. And your mindset is your phronel. It's called a mental disposition. Your sentiment. You'll become sentimental about the word of God. You'll have a disposition based on the word of God. You'll have opinions based on the word of God. That's what a mindset is. A mindset is your disposition. It's your opinion. And it's your sentiment. What are you sentimental about? What things cause you to feel emotionally charged? What things make you happy? You'll find it's always the word of God. I love the word of God, I tell you. I can spend hours on it just studying it. Because it's become my mindset. That's how I think. So I relate to people based on the word of God. If I'm right, I'm on the word. If I'm wrong, I'm on the word. And I'm not, I'm not bothered about my right or my wrong. I'm more concerned about getting the word inside. And that word can also purify and cleanse you. Psalm 119 verse 165 says, um, The people that love your teaching have a lot of peace. Nothing will make them fall down. But if you love the teachings of God, you have a lot of peace and nothing will make you fall down. Look at that. So, uh, the other meanings of a goat now, I've already explained to you about a scapegoat. All that was about the scapegoat, okay? But a goat also has other meanings. Apart from standing for Jesus, a goat stands for strength, a goat stands for lust, pride, apostasy, and a goat can also represent Satan himself. Satan is often depicted as uh, a goat head uh, in a hexagram. That is a six-pointed star, okay? And that's how they do hexes when they want to curse people and things like that, all right? But there are many other uh, things that uh, a goat stands for. Uh, goats stand for sinners as well. If you look at Matthew 25, verse 32, 34, the Bible says, He shall set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left, Okay? Now let's talk about a satire. This is a, a negative depiction of a goat. So a satire is a goat that represents Satan himself. It's a demon that looks like a goat, okay? And it's worshipped by wicked people. Now Esau, those of you who sometimes wonder, in Romans 9.13, the Bible says, uh, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. You wonder, why would God hate somebody? Why is he hating Esau? Because that guy, instead of following the ways of the Lord, he decided to embody what we call the satire spirit. Okay? The demon that is a goat. That's what he took upon himself. Until he started looking like that demon. Esau means hairy or shaggy like a goat. Or seir or satire. So Esau has three names. There's Esau, there's Adam, there's seir. Yeah? And seir is satire. Okay? And Satan is a demonized goat. A goat that is an evil spirit. So this guy was shaggy. He's, he had hair like a goat. There was no part of his body that didn't have hair. He was completely hairy like a goat. And his, his body was red. So hairy like a goat and red. He looked like a demon. That man Esau looked like a demon. That's why he ended up producing giants. How does a child of... of uh, of uh, Isaac, yeah, there was a child of Isaac, wasn't it? How does the child of Isaac produce giants from where? 
because this guy introduced the demon called a goat or a satyr in his body. And then he started looking like that. It's a choice he made, okay? Because he could have also believed in the God of Abraham, but he didn't. He didn't want the God of Abraham. So later in Isaiah 34, God pronounces a, a judgment against him, yeah? You get that? Now, if you look at Genesis 27, verse 11, the Bible says, And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a satire. Okay? And I'm a smooth man. The word hairy there is satire, say you. Where do you see these things in the Bible? Yeah? So, this demon is shaggy and hairy. All the descendants of Edom or Esau became demonic descendants. And that's why they had to be destroyed and removed out of the face of the earth. The same way the giants were removed by the flood, okay? If you look at Isaiah 34 verse 14, the Bible says, And desert creatures will meet with hyenas. This is the judgment against Esau. And goat demons will call out to each other. Goat demon is a satire. And there also lilacs will settle and find for themselves a resting place. Yeah? So hyenas will be there. Now hyenas stand for greed and filth. And the female hyena is like a, a hermaphrodite, a maphrodite, because it's got female sexual organs and a male sexual organ at the same time. Do you see? So it's difficult to determine the sex depending on how you look at it. Yeah? And that's what brings sexual confusion in a lot of people's lives when they have the spirit of a hyena. Okay? Glory to Jesus forevermore. Hallelujah. Michelle, God bless you. Happy to see you. Yeah, we've been um, uh, servicing our equipment, so you might see a bit of uh, of some lag and pixelation. Please bear with us, okay? So, hyenas confuse sexuality in people's lives, okay? That's the spiritual interpretation of a hyena, because the female hyena has the female sexual organ and a penis as well, a pseudo penis of sorts, yeah? Did you get that? Now, hyenas also stand for demons of filth and greed. They are greedy and they are cowardly as well. Yeah? Where I grew up where there were lots of hyenas. There are a bunch of cowards, I tell you. You stamp your food in diarrhea straight away. You know? <laughs> it, it's greedy, but, but, but cowardly too. It's a very strange combination. Yeah? Hyenas would just follow somebody because their hand is moving like that. They think it's going to drop for it to eat. So it has got you all the way from the bush into your house, hoping your hand will drop down for it to eat. These are true stories. We, we, we grew up, I grew up around hyenas. If a lot of people from my community are called a hyena, ondiek, hyena. <laughs> ondiek is a hyena in my mother tongue. Okay. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. So, if you're walking, it thinks that your heart is going to drop for it to eat. So, it just follows you. If you stop, it stops. It's a coward. If you turn around and stamp your foot, it runs away. As long as you're slightly taller than hyena, it will always be scared of you. Yeah, so when we'd be sent to the river to fetch water, you'd be told, if you see a hyena, just stand really, you know, straight on the top, stamp your foot, it will run away from you. Giggling while it goes. It's a strange creature. You know, it giggles and laughs. That's how it giggles. Yeah. So, so the the spirit of a hyena is a spirit of greed, sexual confusion, um, cowardly, uh, cowardice, 
and um, filled, okay? You know, a hyena will, will roll on a dead carcass to mask its smell. It's, it smells like a rotting thing, you know? So it, it stands for an unclean spirit, okay? Doesn't matter how much you shampoo it, it will still smell like that. So what is, what is a lilith? A lilith is a, a female sex spirit. The ones that we call incubus and succubus, the spiritual spouses. So a lilith um, is actually found in the Bible. You know, most people think that we make up these things. It's right there in the Bible. Yeah, Isaiah 34 verse 14. Lilith will settle there. It's right there. Okay. Uh, the King James calls them uh, a whistling, a whistling, uh, what? A whistling owl. Yeah. But it's not an owl. It is a female sex spirit. Yeah, some people foolishly say that this was Adam's first wife, but that's just, uh, that's a big lie. That Lilith was Adam's first wife and stuff. That's, that's not true. What's true is that Lilith has always been a fallen angel, uh, a demonic spirit that is responsible for um, barrenness, all manner of sexual health problems, whether it's pro prostate cancer in men, um, cervical cancer in women, yeast infection, fungal infection, um, and name them, including cysts, lumps, yeah, and uh, fibroids. It's responsible for things like that. If you cast that demon out, then you'll get rid of all those sexual problems, and including sexually transmitted infections. That's Lilith's domain. Killing children, stillbirth, miscarriage, barrenness, anything to do with female reproductive and male reproductive problems. Um, erectile malfunctions, men that cannot uh, get an erection. Yeah? A loss of libido, so that a man is no longer sexually attracted to his wife. You see, things like that. Loss of affection, that's Lilith's domain. All right? Now we have the hyenas, we have the goats. Yeah? The goats, the satyr, then we have Lilith. They all work together. In, uh, in the Bible, Dagon, was worshipped and Dagon is really a mermaid spirit because half human being and half fish okay one of these fine days I'll explain much further about mermaids and sirens yeah Lilith works or sometimes uh, looks like or is represented by a siren what's a siren a demon that lives in the ocean a water spirit that's extremely beautiful looks like a woman and has a beautiful singing voice and usually lures men to their destruction in the high seas this is not mythology. This is spiritual reality, okay? If you are in the prophetic, you see this thing. And we deal with it all the time, okay? Glory to Jesus. I hope it's making sense, yeah? Now, that's really it about this spirit. So the goat is a good thing when looked at as a scapegoat. That, that's Jesus bringing us salvation. But the goat also is represented by satire, which is Esau or Seir, or Edom, a man that looked like an evil spirit. He was so powerful, he's the one who killed the, the, the kingdom of Cush, I mean the king of Cush those days, that one that ruled the whole world, yeah? He was a very, very powerful man. And it's after he killed the man who was called Nimrod, the, the king of Cush, a great hunter, that caused so much trouble in the world. He built Nineveh, and he was also part of the, the team that wanted to build the Tower of Babylon and stuff like that. 
So he was extremely powerful but wicked. He started with the anointing of the Holy Spirit but turned around. And one day in a, a hunting spree, uh, Esau found him and killed him. Yeah, it was such a strong battle that after he was killed, Esau went home and was about to die because he was extremely hungry. So he sold his birthright for lentils that Jacob had. He had just come out of the war and he snatched the garment that Nimrod used to have, that skin that was given to Adam, which gave Nimrod power to rule. So after snatching that garment, he started ruling. That's why they were even ruling the Israelites, because he had the mantle of Adam. You see? You see? But, but Esau killed him and snatched that garment and hid it. Yeah. So here God, in Isaiah 34, God is, is uh, releasing punishment against Esau because of introducing these demons into the world. Now you see why uh, the Bible says, Esau have I hated, but Jacob have I loved. Because Esau introduced wickedness into the world using the spirit of Lilith, the spirit of the satire, you know, the goat head, which is really Satan himself. So Esau was worshipping Satan directly. Yeah. When he knew very well the God of Abraham and the God of his father Isaac. You see. So some of these guys that are hated are not hated because God is hateful. You see, it's because they're evil spirits, and you're supposed to hate Satan with a perfect hatred. That's what the Bible says. Okay? Satan should be hated, not people. Alright? Glory to God. That's it. I wanted to move quickly because we are maintaining our equipment. I didn't want us to go blank. And I've actually finished the message. I've done it in 21 minutes. <laughs> There's so much more I would have talked to you about, but um, our equipment will not sustain that. Um, or oh, how are we doing, Isa? Alex, Alex, how are we doing? Five minutes. Okay, all right. I have another five minutes, okay. So, I love you guys, okay? Um, I'm going to post this on uh, on my podcast as well, so you can listen to the message on podcast. I'm also going to post it on, the, on Facebook, that text. We post it on Facebook. There's much more that I've written that you can read. So, how do you get rid of these demons? Deliverance is the way. Call it by name. Say, Lilith, get out of my sexual organs. Get out of my womb. Get out of my testicles. Get out of my prostrate. In the mighty name of Jesus, get out of my marriage cast the demon out okay these are the lilith is the one that brings people sexual dreams and erotic thoughts you know you're always feeling lustful that is the lilith spirit if you cast the spirit out you're good so that your mind is filled with the word of god not lust okay so you don't feel guilty about these things just fill yourself with the word of god and then cast the spirit out okay i love you guys let me say bye-bye to our podcast audience this is your friend joseph helen signing out until next episode bye-bye